I think for, for the NHL, getting this deal back with ESPN is massive. Um, you know, for so long we were off ESPN, you couldn't even find us in the top search bar on ESPN.com, right? You had to go to the, the arrow and find more sports. And we were in there with, you know, underwater basket weaving and things of that sort. So it was kind of like, you know, it, it made it tough to have that extra exposure. And, and it's unfortunate because, you know, you're you're missing out on guys like Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. and Ovechkin and, you know, guys that are world-class talents that are, are that are changing the game. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I am your host, Ron Johnson. My producer, Sam Ekstrom, will be joining us just a bit. On today's show, it's draft day, the NBA draft. Now, everybody, this is not one of those years. Like, this is not one of those years where it's like LeBron James, um, even LaMelo Ball. And I think LaMelo Ball was more so the hype around his dad. Um, He overshadowed Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards was kind of like, well, he's the best player in college basketball, but is LaMelo Ball the guy? You know, this is not one of those years. This is not one of those years where it's a a, a bona fide guy that everybody's like, man, we got to have this Kevin Garnett. Kobe, you know, not sure Kobe was late. Never mind. Kevin Garnett. You know, that's one of this is one of those drafts where you think about that and you're like, anybody can go in the top four. Like any of those top four can are interchangeable, but it's going to be take the best player for you. I think the Warriors have proved you don't need to draft for position. We're going to talk twins, of course. The twins, another late game meltdown. Uh, in the ninth, gave up four and then couldn't find a way. Clase closed it out. Bombs, lots of points, 10 to 11. Hey, we'll talk about that. Why is this? What is going on? What's the meltdown in Minnesota really about right now? Like, are, are they really about to give up eight games to the Guardians? Um, and then, you know, Chet Holmgren, homegrown. We had Jalen Suggs go in the, early in the draft last year. Now you have another mini high Academy uh, draft pick and Chet Holmgren. But as I bring Sam Ekstrom in, before we jump into this Timberwolves draft, what do the Timberwolves need to do to make the fans excited about the 2022-2023 season? What do the Wolves need to do? I'll discuss that after this. A word from our sponsors. Arcade One Up is your leader in at home retro arcade games, and they are bringing back NBA Jam. Boom, that is awesome. They've made it bigger than ever with a Shaq edition machine. Uh, people are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. You can jump across the court with the ball on fire. It's awesome, it brings you back. It's very nostalgic. Uh, It's one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA-licensed teams. Uh, You can also, with uh, Arcade 1-Up, you can find Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and others starting at just $3.99. Check it out. Giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a Lockdown listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash lockdown. Arcade1up.com slash lockdown. You've got until July 8th to enter to win NBA Jam Shaq Edition. Don't miss out. Enter today. And, Ron, last night I watched Hustle, 
with Anthony Edwards and Adam Sandler, and I am ready to talk some drafts. So let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, Hustle gives you an insight into uh, – it's funny. I was listening to uh, XM Radio, and somebody asked that question. Who is the next international player? And it's a guy, uh, Nikola or Nikola. I forgot his last name. I think Jovich. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it's Jovich. That's what. So because that was the conversation. Uh, I think it was uh, Jay Billis was saying people are gonna get him confused and call him Jokic and call him mm -hmm. the Joker and all this. But it is Nikola, Nikola Jokic, Jovich, whatever. Um, he's the next overseas guy, but he's not. I mean, he's what they are: big man, shooter. Uh, polished game, uh, very patient. Uh, that's what you're starting to see more in this international game. That's why you see uh, some of these younger guys go overseas now. Like instead of the G League, they're like, I'm just go overseas and get paid for a year, polish my game up, skip college. Let's go there. Let's polish my game, come back to the NBA and be successful. Um, that's becoming a trend, you know, where the NBA almost needs to adopt some of these teams and say, hey, you're going to be our international affiliate. Like we're gonna we're gonna help get guys over to you. We're gonna pay for their travel as well. You pay their salary. We'll pay for their travel. We'll make sure that they're not living in junk housing. Uh, you know, we're gonna we have we're billionaires. You know, we probably have properties in some of these countries anyway. You know, let let's let's spruce this thing up and make it a nice condominium that's safe for these players as well. Travel internationally. It's not always safe as I've heard uh, for some of these guys to travel internationally. So um, that's one. So when you look at the Timberwolves. And this is where I'm going to give you some quick takes. You go with the, yours. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell is the hot button right now. He's the guy everybody's wondering what's going here's, to Here's some options they could do. They could, they could trade with the Wizards. Wizards get the second-round pick of D'Angelo Russell. Uh, sorry, Russell and the second-round pick. And then the Timberwolves get Kyle Kuzma and KCP. Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's one option. Clippers could trade with them. D'Angelo Russell in the 19th pick. Timberwolves get Norman Powell and Marcus Morris. You're adding maybe some, as I talked about, that that Draymond Green type of guy, that guy that's gonna give you just a little bit more of a, you know, help help take some of that pressure off Cat, help be a an annoyance, help be the Patrick Beverly. Because if you can, you can also move on for Patrick Beverly. He's entering his 15th season. Maybe trade high, sell high, like in the, in the stock market. He's high right now. Everybody's talking about him. They're talking about him and Draymond Green being great defenders. Uh, you know, him being an annoyance, you know, him wearing a robe after winning, you know, the seventh playing game, <laughs> trade high, sell high, get, get him out of there. Maybe get some capital there. You look at the Knicks, D'Angelo Russell, 19th pick, Timberwolves get Derrick Rose, bring him back. Taj Gibson, the 11th pick and Alec Burks. So there's three possible options for the Timberwolves. The 11th pick would not be bad. You get D Rose who can be, and then you, and then you still move Patrick Beverly. Now D. Rose is your guy. You go draft maybe a better guard at 11. Maybe you keep D. Rose and Patrick Beverly. You have some older point guards because you just need some guys to pass the ball and not make mistakes like D'Angelo Russell does sometimes. Because, yes, he's hot, but then he also can, can, can absolutely just destroy a game. And then with the 11th pick, you go get you another, maybe another swing 6'8 guy, 6'9 guy, guy that can fill in and be another role player with the because you already have your two monsters you know what you got in anthony edwards and carly towns so that's kind of my thought right there on what the timberwolves could possibly do with that first that first trade or the first pick so that d rose scenario so that's trading with the knicks that's trading with tibbs yeah. that, that means you're getting tibbs on the phone and you're saying hey 
give us D Rose back. That would be an interesting negotiation. I would like to hear how that would go to, to ring up Tibbs on the phone. Um, but now, I mean, anything could happen. You know, speaking of Tibbs, what was Tibbs' biggest move as the Wolves' decision maker? It was the draft night trade where he sent Levine in a package and got that back Butler. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of these deals, like if you're shipping off Russell, you're probably bringing back less than you're giving because you're probably going to have to package a pick with it. You're probably going to get a couple different pieces that are that are lesser players, but your objective is to get rid of the salary and to try to get you know players in different positions that can help you. Um, is there a player on the Timberwolves roster that could actually bring you back something better in conjunction with the pick? Like, is Malik Beasley enough to get you back a really good player? Is Jaden mm-hmm. McDaniels enough to get you back a really good player like there are some secondary pieces on this roster that i wonder if they are on the trade docket and that would be a huge like swing for tim Connolly, who just got here a month ago to to go and and trade off a core piece of this team but if they're serious about this thing and they want to have a third piece if they want to have someone besides russell be their third piece with towns and edwards i i'm just curious if there is a deal that involves someone younger with a lot of upside that would attract someone's attention. Um, But I I think that the objective tonight, if you're going to make a trade is you want to shed salary with D'Lo and you want to get some size. You want to get some rebounding Uh, front court depth to me is huge. And I don't know if you get it in your draft pick. I mean, I think it's hard for like a, a big man to come out of college or out of the G league and have an instant impact. So if you're going to add size, I think you have to do it in a trade or you wait for free agency. But if there is a trade tonight, I hope they bring back some forwards or a center. Yeah, and and so here's the thing. So you talk about draft. We started off saying go get a guard, trade D'Angelo Russell. Well, if you don't get D'Angelo Russell move, going early in the first round at 19 and getting a guard is probably not the move. You probably wait, you try to move D'Angelo Russell later, knowing that maybe you can still get a Derrick Rose in a straight up trade with something else and get rid of uh Russell's salary. So there's some other possibilities there, especially if the Knicks are, you know, missing that. If they're missing a guard to really get them started, maybe Jennifer Russell's the guy, you know? And so when you think about guys, you just said Ford, I like that. So Tari Easton, LSU, EJ uh, Lytle out of OSU. And if you remember Ohio State basketball, the only reason I do is because of Big Ten. He's a big boy. But he's also a bully. And I talked about that. I talked about being a bully. And they need, like, that's why I said to Marcus Morris, you know, Cat's not a bully. Cat doesn't like to be bullied. Now, Cat gets pushed and then he says, okay, because remember he said, oh, I'm going to, I'm, you're going to see a different side of me or whatever. He, I forgot what he tried to call his game uh, when he's coming out of the All Star break of what he was going to all of a sudden turn into some bully. It's not his game. You know, I think he was trying to embody what Patrick Beverly does. I think he was trying to be Draymond Green, but that's not him. When he does that, he gets into foul trouble, and then he whines to the ref. That's the big difference, and people were sick of that. Like, stop trying to be something you're not. Be smooth. Be Kevin Garnett. Like, just be Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was smooth. He was not trying to be a bully. He was trying to finesse you and kill you with game. If you're the best big man shooter of all time, go kill us with game. Don't try to be the bully. Go get EJ Lytle. He could, he could be the guy. Like, he could be the bully for you. He's a big body, a power forward. Now you put Cat at the center. You put 
EJ at the at the spot power forward. He's going to carve out space. He's going to get you those dirty rebounds. He's going to give you the elbows. He's going to he's going to get Draymond Green out of there. Like he's a guy that's not scared of Draymond Green. And, and maybe that's the 19th pick there. You get a guy now power forward, and then like you said, then maybe you move somebody else like a Daniels if you can get EJ out of Ohio State, and that you think that's the guy. Yeah, maybe move another big man who can give you some more pieces. You know, you can get one or two pieces for it. So that's the names to watch out for tonight in the draft. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be a cool one. I'm I'm excited to see where Chet Holmgren goes. We'll talk about that in the Daily Three. Jay Nivey out of, out of Notre Dame. I watched the kid grow up because his dad played with me with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so, I, so I've seen him when he was born. Um, I held him as a baby, and now he's going to be a first-round <laughs> draft pick. Uh, so it's cool to see that. Uh, but next up on the Ron Johnson Show, we had Carly Zucker. Now it's time for Jason Zucker to take the stage. He's going to talk a little bit about the NHL. And where does he see Sidney Crosby compared to Kirill Kaprizov? He has an interesting take there as well. But we'll be back on the Ron Johnson Show. So up next on the Ron Johnson Show, I have Jason Zucker. I mean, the pleasure of Jason Zucker, the model the hockey player, the philanthropist, the sex symbol, uh, and a friend of mine, <laughs> Jason. How you doing, <laughs> brother? Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for joining me. So, you know, first off, I want to say this. So I ran into Nick Bukestead in the Arizona airport. Super random. Him and then Riley Tuff, which I didn't even know who Riley Tuff was. I just knew he looked like an 18-year-old kid. And then everybody later is like, how do you know Riley Tuff? And I'm like, I don't. Who is that? And so then, of course, I had to go Google it later. And then, okay, fan, I brought it up. And people are, like, tweeting me. It's Riley Tuff. He went to Blaine High School. When yeah, you yeah. walk through an airport, I mean, you're not Nick Mukestead's height. Like, do people see you and say, oh, that's a hockey guy? Or are they like, who is that guy with the blonde? No, the only time I tell everyone this, the only time I ever get recognized if I'm with Carly. You know, I feel like it's, like, I, I don't know if it's, you know, I she's definitely more famous than me, especially in Minnesota. But then, um, you know, on a – for the most part, it's like people see Carly and then they're like, could that be Jason? Yeah. Okay. So then that's, that's gotta be them together. Right. It's like, I don't think they'd recognize just Carly or just me, but if they did, it would be her before me for sure. So it's the tandem. So you guys worked it. So if you ever like are not with so. her, then you're basically an, 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 why can't I say that? Anonymity. Anonymity. I'm, you know what? You're, you're not seen. How about that? I cannot believe I can't say that word. Anonymity. Ah, that's going to throw me off the rest of the day. We'll keep working on it. We'll keep working on it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I don't I'm know 100% I anonymous. I'd say 99% of my life. You're anonymous. So, Jason, when you look at the Colorado Avalanche, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, then you got the Warriors and the Celtics. And, of course, everybody talks about numbers. ESPN brings it up all the time. Why do you think a Tampa Bay Lightning team having a chance to possibly 3 P and a Warriors team who hadn't won in, you know recently but then won their fourth why is that a bigger story in the sports world? You know, I think basketball is just uh, in the in the media's eyes a bigger sport than hockey. I mean, it's you know it's right up there, you know, just behind the NFL. And uh, you know, the media exposure for for those guys is is nonstop. It's constant. And so, I think for for the NHL getting this deal back with ESPN is massive. Um, you know, for so long we were off ESPN, you couldn't even find us in the top search bar on ESPN.com. Right, you had to go to the the arrow and find more sports. And we were in there with, you know, underwater basket weaving and things of that sort. So it was kind of like, you know, it, it made it tough to have that extra exposure. And, and it's unfortunate because, 
you know, you're you're missing out on guys like Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. and Ovechkin and you know guys that are world class talents that are, are that are changing the game from from guys you know like Gretzky and Mike Bossy and you know people like that. So you're you're missing out on a lot of those those generational talents, unfortunately. Um, but you know what? The the hockey purists obviously got to see it. And now being back on ESPN, I think, is is absolutely massive. It, it's definitely grown the exposure. I think the numbers are showing it now with this, you know, with this Stanley Cup final being being absolutely massive for the league. So I think it's shown and it's, you know, it, it obviously helps that it's great hockey. You know, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and, and obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's the best playoff in the world. And, uh, you know, I think it's the hardest trophy to win. And I think it's something that um, is, you know, extremely fun to watch and for people that, don't even know the game, just turning on a playoff game, you know, you see the intensity, you see, you know, everything going into it, uh, you know, makes it a lot of fun. And so when you look at it, again, this is my first hockey experience was this year. I got to go to a wild uh, playoff game. Um, I was invited by, uh, I think it's Todd Fredrickson or Todd Fredericks um, of the wild organization. He's with the Iowa wild, but he also does marketing. And so he happened to come on K fan and I was making jokes about being a black guy, never going to hockey. And he literally DM me speaking of your wife talking about her DMS. He DM me like, Hey, do you really want to go to the game? And I was like, I thought he was like, I was like, what are you serious? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like (laughs) it's a random Tuesday and we have kids. And so uh, we found somebody to kind of keep an eye on our kids. Our 11-year-old, she's good enough anyway to just put her sister to bed. Uh, but we asked yeah. somebody to watch our kids. We went. And so as I'm there, one, being at a hockey game is a totally different experience than watching it. So at yeah. that point, I was hooked. My, I was so hooked. My wife got me a Father's Day Wild t-shirt. So now I actually have like a t-shirt to wear to my next game. It took you that long? It did. I'm not going to lie. I I went to one other hockey game, and that was Gophers versus Badgers. In like 2002 or three, it was like my my senior year. It was like after my senior year, a bunch of former players. We were just in town, and we were at a at Sally's Bar on campus, and everybody's like, "All right, let's go, let's go sneak in the hockey game." And so we snuck in the back door with our Letterman. At least jackets. that was the good WCHA then. So at least you got some good hockey. You know, and I don't even. I'm not gonna lie. We were we were just at the top drinking. Like we never yeah. even. <laughs> I don't think we ever even sat down and watched the game. I um, but I, I I did enjoy the towel swinging. You know, the the puck flying. But how do the casuals like myself? How do the officials within the game, the refs, and the keepers of the game? Because the playoff game is exciting. How do they keep it exciting where it's not so many stoppages, not so many BS calls? Um, where the game just gets slow and boring to where people are like, oh, you know, I, I'm not getting into this. Like, how do they keep it exciting like that? Or what changes can they make to keep the stars on the on the ice and, you know, mm-hmm. not get into the BS? Kind of like how basketball does it. I mean, they give LeBron and, and Kobe and Steph, they give them a little leeway to make sure they stay in the game. Yeah. You know, for us, it's it's a little bit different because it's such a fluid game, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the few sports that you don't call a play every time you're out on the ice, True. right? When you step on... You know, in the middle of play, you're changing on the fly is, is what we call it. You're changing on the fly. And, you know, and at that point, there it's you're just reacting. You're just playing the game. So it's hard to do that sometimes because in football, every time you have a play, you have a stoppage, you have a reset, yep. right? Even in basketball, when a transition, yeah, you've transitioned baskets. But for the most part, transition, point guard gets at the top, he calls his play, and then you go and you, you yep. execute that play. So for us, you know, it's it's that's a very different aspect of it. So that's also why it keeps the pace of the game up so high because you can go five, 10 minutes without mm-hmm. a whistle, right? But then you could also go 30 seconds with 15 whistles, you know? So right. it's such a fluid yeah. game in that aspect that it makes it tougher to, you know, necessarily keep the momentum up. 
The one thing I'll say is when it comes to playoff time, the penalties drop significantly. Correct. You know, there's a lot less penalties. But the good and the bad of that is that when there's more penalties, you see more plays. You see your star players more because they're all mm-hmm. on the top power play unit. You know, you get a lot more of the star players in those games. But at the same time, you want to see, you don't want the refs to ever be a factor in a playoff game, right? It goes the right. same for the NFL and the Super Bowl this year, right? The refs don't call a single thing until the last two minutes of the game, and all of a sudden it's it's talked about. So, you know, you hope that the refs are never talked about in a, in a game of any kind, of any sport. And so typically in the playoffs, they back off quite a bit. There's a lot less penalties. There's a lot less action on that front. It's just more five-on-five hockey and just play the game. And, and for the wild, you know, and you, and you play with Sidney Crosby. Um, you play with Nick Bukestead, um, or at least you guys cross paths. Um, cross paths, but when, yeah. But when you look at, you know, Kirill Kaprizov and Sidney Crosby, you know, what, what and, and even Connor McDavid, you know, what do those generational type players have that so many people, like, where do they get, like, what do they have? Like, where do they get that from? Like, what is that? To me, it's all a mindset, right? Like, there's guys that have more skill than than Crosby, more skill than some of these guys. If you talk about pure skill, if you were to put them in a situation and say, do this, mm-hmm. right? Do this singular thing right here. But they, they can't put it all together, right? You probably know this from football. It's the same in hockey. You know those people that are on your team that are the best practice players in the world, yeah. right? You're like, how is this guy not scoring touchdown after touchdown, goal after goal, and they just can't put it all together, right? It's a it's it's a large puzzle that you got to put together and, and put it, you know, all in action at the same time. So that's what makes it hard, and that's why those guys are so good. They think the game better than anybody. There's things that Sidney Crosby does when we're sitting on the bench and we're his peers, right? We're supposed to be of somewhat equal peers, and you you watch him do things and you say, how did he even think of that, mm-hmm. right? And then imagine what the fans are thinking at the same time, right? They're like, okay, this is it's just insane. But there's also things that the fans never see that as a player you see and you realize how hard it is. And you say, I don't even understand. It doesn't make sense. Kaprizov has that same aura about him. He's he's that type of player. You know, I have a really hard time, you know, personally just, you know, being, being around these guys for so long, um, comparing anybody to somebody like Crosby. You know, like mm-hmm. when people... I, I've, I've never been a big fan of that, honestly, for any sport when you have a first overall pick or somebody and it's like, oh, well, he's Tom Brady. Right. I don't know. You know, that's, that's hard to say that he's just like somebody like that. But, you know, when you talk about a guy like Kaprizov, not only is he a highly touted prospect, even though he was a second round pick, I believe, um, he's come and shown it, right? He's come and shown it. You know, everybody that had any type of, you know, skepticism about him in any way is is now, you know, rooting for him or you know something of the sort so he's he's an incredible player the wild are really lucky to have him um you know i'll tell you i sure as heck don't want to play against him (laughs) and (laughs) and we just had father's day like father's day just passed i love seeing you know just men in general because i think so often in the world um men can be denigrated i mean if you think back to the al bundy's and the homer simpsons you know it was always dad was an idiot blah blah and then you did have the good dads now you look at some tv shows they do have the good dads out there um and you're one of them when you look at father's day being a professional athlete as well um what did that mean what did father's day mean to you and how do you navigate that world of professional athlete but still dad yeah for me it's about finding time for the family always right i mean their family is truly number one and i think everyone says that but not everyone actually follows it Mm -hmm. you know everyone preaches it but 
actually following through with the actions is sometimes different. So for me, it's about making sure that I always have time when I'm home, you know, from road trips when I'm here in the summer, you know, I try to obviously number one, take things off Carly's plate because she does 99.9% of it all throughout the year. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to be playing the way I am without Carly, you know, handling the kids and, and getting them where they need to be. And I know she's got it absolutely dialed in and taken care of all the time. So for me, when I get home, I try to take a lot of that off her plate because I know it's for a short time, right? I mean, it's it's a couple of months and I can do that for her. But realistically, for me, it's about, you know, still instilling the, you know, the, the morals and the principles of your family and what you feel as a person is right for your kids and the way to raise them, but also about, you know, showing them that path, right? And the path isn't necessarily professional sports. Mm-hmm. It's letting them enjoy that ride with you because it's it's such a, a unique experience. And, you know, I try to bring Hendricks, Stella's a little bit too young now, but bring them into the rink and just hang out with the guys and be a part of it because, you know, 10 years from now, he's going to be able to say that he was hanging out in the locker room with Sidney Crosby right. and just, you know, being, being buddies. Like that's that's an unforgettable experience for somebody of his age that right now he has no clue how to appreciate that. But for me, it's, you know, at some point he will, and, and that's going to be the fun aspect of it. So for me, it's about just being present, I suppose is, is probably the best way to put that and and really making sure that it doesn't all fall on Carly because 99.9% of everything else does. And so I want to make sure that I'm present, giving them what they need, you know, being there for activities all summer and enjoying that side of it. But then also when, you know, when they're out in Pittsburgh with me and we're doing that, it's, it's, including them in in the journey and, and really making sure that uh they feel a part of it because for me they're a massive part yeah and, and hendrix is me like i was i was in the steelers locker room as a kid i got to hang out yeah. with terry bradshaw i got home videos of mel blunt you know donnie shell franco harris uh mean joe green you know like so all of those guys and when my dad passed away all those guys came to his funeral so um, I, I definitely Tony Dungy, you know, so I definitely yeah. know he's not gonna remember because I didn't I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it took me until about the age of 27 to really look back. Cause growing up, I'm just like, oh, those are my dad's friends. Cause they would talk crap about me, they yeah. would say yeah. stuff about me. Lynn Swan would make jokes. Um, you know, Mel Blunt would say I'm soft because you know, back in the day they used to beat the crap out of each other. We don't do that now. Um <laughs> and so, but now I can appreciate it. Like now talking yeah. to Tony Dungy now, you know, texting Mel Blunt, I can yeah. appreciate that. Uh, but last one for you. So you you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, it's not always about professional sports. Jason Zucker, if you were to look at yourself in the future, you got Tom Brady, who's now, you know, looking at getting behind the camera, Tony Romo, uh, you got JJ Reddick, you got all these former athletes. Uh, I saw PK Subban grab a microphone, you know, like a lot of guys are jumping out there now and doing this. What, what does Jason Zucker look like at the age of 45? What, what is that going to do? Well, I hope I look just like this, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I don't hope I don't age much, but no, I mean, for me, I, um, I personally, as of today, and this could change, of course, I mean, you know, life takes you in, in crazy directions sometimes, but I personally don't want to be back in the hockey world when I'm done. I want to be with the family. I don't want to, okay. you know, coach. I don't want to be a scout. I don't want to do any of that. I want to enjoy my kids and, and help raise my kids. And if I, I don't even want to coach Hendricks. I don't want to coach Stella. I want to be dad, right? I want to just be dad and, and, and enjoy that. Um, now, again, that could change, you know, for sure. Um, I personally, I'm not into the, the TV aspect right now either. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time with, you know, a lot of these, not, you know, Charles Barkley pops out to me, right? Like he's a guy that's not afraid to call somebody out and tell them, you know, X, Y, and Z is wrong with you and whatever. And like, I'm never going to do that because, you know, 
Charles has been in their shoes, right? He's had those people talking about him. He's had that situation, the opposite. And it's, it's difficult sometimes. So like, yeah. I personally am not the person to be able to do that. So for me, you know, I'm trying to set up the business side of things for our family and, and our, you know, our, uh, our matters that way, and just try to make sure that I have something to fall back on as far as business and keep me busy, but I don't want it to be anything in sports as of now. Um, but you know, again, who knows later on down the road. Yeah. You might be the Dinah, like mites head coach. No, see, I don't want that. Like for me, it's, I want to, I want to just be able to watch and just, you know, I'm not even, I'm the guy, I'll tell you this, like when Hendricks is on the ice, he, he, he's with a, you know, a skating coach right now and he, you know, takes lessons and whatnot. Like I get off the ice and the only thing I ask him is if he had fun, nothing else. Like I don't want him. I'm not like, you need to work harder. You need to try this move. And you know, like, I don't even want to teach you anything. Your coaches are going to teach you. That's your coach. I'm your dad. That's it. I'm out. Maybe you'll be part of the like mighty ducks remake, like the, the 2020, the, or what are we in? Like, yeah, like the 2035 mighty that you'll be the Emilio Estevez like you might be an actor <laughs> on Disney plus if they want to pay me for it I'm in like I'll do that but I don't know if I'm the guy for the job <laughs> well I want to thank Jason Zucker for joining me on the Ron Johnson show up next we got the daily three that's three questions three minutes each stick around for that if you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at bluenile.com They have simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Uh, If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. All right. Well, Sam, it's your turn. Three questions, three minutes each. Take it away. All right. I think I gave you a certain order. I'm going to go a little out of order because we got to talk about the Twins first. I mean, the Twins with a second consecutive meltdown. Deja vu, really, because for a second straight game, a go-ahead three-run home run in the seventh and a second straight game, the bullpen gives it up. This time, it's even worse. They give up four runs in the ninth. And uh, they lose 11 to 10 in a slugfest. Entertaining game to be sure, but the pitching left something to be desired. Twins now down a game in the central. Ron, your reaction to last night's meltdown? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Maybe the Guardians are just better. Maybe, who knows? But when you look at what that game bought you, it bought you leads. It bought you overcoming leads. It bought sustainability. It bought perseverance. And in the end, all that was attributed to the Guardians. They did all of it. They sustained. They came back. They persevered. They were down. And they charged back in the end with strategic moments. I mean, you saw the sacrifice fly to go ahead. You saw the double to tie it up. 
I mean, they just – the home runs from Kepler and Correa, like that could have defeated a lot of people when you have – it's one guy gets two home runs, another guy comes in and hits a homer, and then all of a sudden the Guardians charge back, though. They're like, look, we're in this. And I think they probably realize, like, look, the, 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 the Twins bullpen, if we can stick around, I don't think they have enough to close us out in the end, and they didn't. They could not close out the game, whereas Clase came in and he closed it out. They could not hit, get a hit on them. They could not get, they could not do it enough to, I mean, they couldn't get one homer to try to tie it up in grand fashion at the end. And then maybe now put the pressure on them to start making mistakes. But if a pitcher's ahead in the count, if a pitcher doesn't feel like there's no pressure, there's nobody on third that possibly can score with zero outs or one out. Like that's a pitcher's dream. Pitcher's nightmare, people on base, not enough outs where outfield fly, matters to the defense like when an outfield fly is hit and somebody's on third that's the worst scenario unless it's close and you can gun the guy down or you have kirby puckett back there some or, or somebody with a rocket arm like the the twins just i don't know like i don't know what what to say like they they have to figure this out you have to get two out of one you have to try to keep this close because then you go on a five game stretch against the same team and if that same team sweeps you now now they have the confidence to come back and sweep you in five but again, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Twins might come back and sweep them. They might lose all three of these and then sweep them and get all five. So who knows? Like this season, it started off great. It's starting to get rocky. But let's see where it goes. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, just just hugely disappointing when they had their best pitchers lined up, their starters. They had Joe Ryan. They had um, Sonny Gray last night. Devin Smelter today has been really good. So maybe they get a win from him. But they gave Cleveland their best. They, their starting pitchers were not bad, and their offense has been great. So when, when things come together like that, and you should win those games with late-inning leads, um, that's pretty distressing. And now Byron Buxton's got his knee you know, barking at him again, so it, it doesn't look good for the Twins, and they're coming back to the pack, and we might be set up here for, for kind of a, a, a down stretch leading up to the All-Star break. Yeah. Um, Ron, I don't know if you saw this major Stanley Cup controversy late last night. So after the Twins meltdown, I was a little bit bummed out. I, I switched over to the hockey for a distraction, and I got to see the overtime winner. So Colorado dominates the overtime. They Weird goal. I don't know if you saw this, but the guy puts it past the goaltender, and nobody celebrates because the puck got stuck in the, the upper part of the net. So no one really saw where it was. There was a delayed reaction, then they celebrate. It's over the avalanche win. Well, later on, we see replays that the avalanche had too many men on the ice during the goal. And the Tampa Bay coach is, is almost crying after the game saying we should still be playing. Um, I can't talk right now. And now that they're talking about changing the rules and why isn't this reviewable? And it, it's kind of a gigantic conundrum, Ron. Uh, have you, did you keep up with sort of the late night controversy around the Stanley Cup uh, game winner? I didn't. Um, I was out to dinner, and then I ran into Carter Coughlin, Kamal Martin, and uh, uh, Clay Geary, all former Gophers. Uh, mm -hmm. Clay actually said he's coming back for seventh year. Crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't see it because when I, by the time I got home, I was tired, so I did not see that. But I did wake up to, like, the Twitter. And everybody on the Twitter, you know, the hockey world, because I'm in Minnesota, so a lot of my tweets, you know, my Twitter followers, they they love the hockey stuff, regardless if their team's in it or not. And, yeah, and that's coming up now because you got Major League Baseball with the review. You got football with the review. Basketball now has even gone to the review for three. Because before, three-pointers or some of that stuff, that you couldn't 
you couldn't do the do the do the circle deal and tell the hey hey go review that go review that. he didn't hit a three that was a two because even basketball they want to get some of this stuff right especially in the playoffs when it's like because i see draymond draymond green is the 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 narcissist of this like every time there's a charge or something that he thinks he, he was he was set um yeah hockey needs to add it hockey does because it, it, it that moment is too close because I think I can't remember. I think it was the college one where that happened. Didn't that happen in college or something where they they awarded somebody the game and then they reviewed it and they made them all come back on the ice and finish? Oh, yeah, man, Mankato yeah. Bemidji. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, college does it, like, and, and I don't know if they reviewed it or they just made a ruling on their own. Um, but hey, if, if they can do that, the NHL should have been able to pause it, say, hold up, let's go get this right, let's count, let's look at hey, up too many men. Nope, no goal. Let's let's start, you know, let's get it going again. And so, yeah, and now the Avalanche 3-1, Lightning possibly over. Like, they're possibly going to tomorrow night, Friday night, it'll be over. And then we'll get Nick Bukes dead on Monday <laughs> <laughs> because it's over. No, but, yeah, that's that's the tough thing about that. You know, like, you 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 thought you had a chance going over time. You try to, you're trying to tie this thing up 2-2, two to two, and then that happens. So, yeah, that's that's a tough way to lose a game. Uh, when you know in the end it shouldn't have counted. Yeah, it seems like one of the simpler reviews, too, just to to count the guys on the ice. Now, the problem is, is that the NHL is pretty fluid in the way they enforce that. Like, if somebody is a couple, you know, strides from the bench, they'll allow someone to jump on the ice for them. They're okay with that. But in mm-hmm. this case, the guy who came on the ice was nowhere close to being replaced. It Like, the the person replacing him was 40 feet, they said, away from the bench. So they actually had six skaters on the ice there for, for a good second or two, mm-hmm. which is definitely illegal. So Tampa Bay's got a, got a gripe. Uh, I get it. I feel for him. The three Pete's probably dead, but uh, knowing Tampa, they might bounce back and win one in game five. So not over yet. Uh, last one. I want your prediction on Chet. I think you're on record to saying he goes to Orlando to team up with Suggs. Uh, is that what you're sticking with? And and not only that, Ron, but tell me how Chet does as a rookie. Are we talking rookie of the year? Are we talking bench guy? Are we talking instant star? Where does Chet land um, in his first season? So I was trying to get the uh, – because I was looking at the mock draft before, and, you know, and, of course, people give you all their takes. So you got Orlando, OKC, Rocket, Sacramento. And so some people are saying this, this Smith kid out of Auburn is going to be one. And then OKC or the Rockets would take Chet. Four was going to be J90. And so they were saying that for Sacramento. But then also possibly uh, J90 doesn't go four, then he's going to go five to the Pistons because he said he only worked out for, I think, the Pistons and San Antonio or the Rockets maybe. He worked out for like two teams, and, and one of them was the Pistons. And that was of late. Like late, that, that last-minute workout teams bring players in for to just make sure, hey, is this our guy? But this would check Holmgren. I could see that. I could see the magic deal because we talk about this all the time. In the NBA, players spend their whole career sometimes trying to go play with their friends. Uh, you look at Devin Booker. You look at Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they've been trying to make that happen with them and D'Lo. Well, D'Lo, you're the I'm in out, buddy. Like, they don't even want you anymore. It's going to be Anthony Edwards, D-Book, and Carl Anthony Towns if they ever make it work. But, you know, like, they're always trying to get – because we we didn't know what Anthony Edwards was going to be, so our minds were saying, hey – Let's trade Anthony Edwards, go get Devin Booker. And then you have D'Angelo Russell. And now you have the three friends. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Like, that's what people want. You got LeBron, D-Wade, Carmelo, you know, the Banana Boat Boys. They wanted to play together. Uh, you, you got, you know, 
uh, who else was the other ones, uh, the other friendship? I couldn't remember the other one, though. It was another one that the guys were, like, lobbying for their buddy to come play with them. And so that's what happens late. You have to go draft for these guys. You have to go get these guys because, hey, you're my star. I'll go get your friend. Um, you know, oh, Harden. That's what it was. Harden and uh, Kevin Durant. You know, same thing. Kevin Durant and Harden were boys with OKC. All of a sudden, Harden's out in the market with the Rockets. KD's like, hey, go get Harden. And then, of course, it's like, well, hey, Kyrie, too. Uh, but KD's like, hey, we got to get Harden. He's a shooter, man. He'll take some pressure off of me. And we did it with Steph and, and Clay. We could do it with me, Kyrie, and uh, Harden. Well, here's the problem. Now you have a chance for the Orlando Magic to not screw this up. Don't go get Smith. Don't go get a kid that y- your team doesn't know. Jalen Suggs is comfortable with Chet Holmgren. Now you put two boys who've grown up together, played AAU together, played seventh grade, sixth grade, high school, in college, well, didn't play college together, but went to the same college, and now they could be on the same NBA team. You get instant chemistry. Uh, what can Chet Holmgren be as a number one pick? Well, one, now you get a guy, again, playing with his friends, so he's a lot more comfortable. He's having fun at practice. He's not walking into a locker room as this new young giraffe that's fresh out the womb and can't get his feet under him. He is going to be a giraffe in the locker room, but now he has a buddy. He has his brother. He has somebody that can take care of him. They can tell them the, the city. Orlando is awesome. Like, we go to Orlando every year uh, for Disney and just to go. I mean, it is an awesome – see, I played for the Orlando Predators down there, so I played arena football down there for two years. It's a great city. Chet Holmgren would love it. I mean, sunshine, lifting weights outside. I mean, he just has to gain a little weight, a little strength, not eating steaks and potatoes. That's not the way to do it. He's going to eventually mature. Like, he hasn't really probably hit his full grown man – like growth, like of just chess, voice, everything. Um, people said the same thing about Kevin Durant. He's not strong enough. He couldn't bench, I think, 180 pounds or something at the combine. Everybody's like, oh, my God, how's he going to deal with it? That's how he deals with it. He spreads out the floor. This is a spread out the floor game now. Chet Holmgren is a legit shooter. I think he shot 40% from three. Like the kid is seven feet. He's a unicorn. You know, he's going to be more like a, 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 a Capri, uh, what is it, a Porzingis, but healthy. Like, think about a healthy Porzingis. Porzingis ends up having back problems, health, you know, issues with his health, could not get to stay healthy. I mean, that's what you get out of this kid. You get a kid that can be a unicorn, that can finish with his left or his right, can grab a rebound. He can shoot down the court and handle the ball himself. We've seen him at Gonzaga go coast to coast. We've seen him at Minnehaha go coast to coast for a seven-footer. They can go behind his back. He crossed Steph over, step back, hit a three on Steph Curry in an AAU game or whatever camp. So that's what you get. That's why the Orlando Magic have to get him. And I think he'll be a double-double guy. I think he'll give you, you know, enough rebounds at seven feet because he doesn't even have to jump high. He just has to be in that area to get a rebound um, and box out just a little bit. Yep, guys are going to try to push him. But if he jumps and gets pushed in the air, it's a foul. Um, so a lot of that stuff in the NBA doesn't happen anymore. You don't get to just beat guys up under the basket. Uh, he'll give you 10 rebounds. He's going to give you 12 points. Like, that's what he's going to be. And Jalen Suggs now has a boy there. So. That's my take on Chet Holmgren and where he should go. Yeah. You know, honestly, when I was watching Hustle, I thought, hey, you know, this Bo Cruz guy, it's kind of a Chet Holmgren game that he's got. He's a big, big, lanky guy who can block, shoot, rebound. I think Bo Cruz is maybe a little more athletic, but I had that thought. And I think that Orlando has had so much trouble keeping stars there. They couldn't keep Shaq there. Mm -hmm. They couldn't keep Dwight Howard there. And when you draft someone to play with their buddy, there's just a greater likelihood that they're going to want to stick around and build something. So I yeah. think just for their franchise's sake, you take Chet. I think Chet's going to be good. I, I think that Chet's going to be one of the, like, maybe the first year will be a little rough, 
I think he's going to be really good by year three. So I would gamble on the unicorn, team him up with Suggs, and have him just go crazy you know, on other teams. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and again, this is a spread out the floor league. Carl Anthony Towns said he's the best big man shooter. Chet's not going to be a big man, but he's going to be a seven-foot guy that can hit a three. So now, depending on who you have guarding him, if it's your four, your four can't go grab rebounds now. If it's your three, now Chet maybe does go in the post because you have a six-nine, six-eight-three, and Chet's seven feet. And so now he will do some Kobe Bryant, but he's going to have to get, you know, with Elijah Wan or somebody to work on his post game. Uh, Cause that's the one thing where Kevin Durant got way better. He worked on his post game in the off season, you know, working with Kobe, watching Kobe stuff, working with Elijah Wan. And then you see nicely Kevin Durant do all the weird spins when he warms up. Cause he's just getting ready for that. That's now he's killing people in the post with that one foot step back jumper, the Dirk, you know, Dirk Nowinski wouldn't be a bad person for Chet to link up with. Cause now with social media and agents, you can connect players with players easily for a workout and so i think that's where chet has to get better he has to get some true post moves because we know he can shoot we know he can dribble uh but he has to polish his game early because those rookies that don't polish their game early they fall fast and and they and then like year eight they're like oh yeah i got in the gym with with elijah on and elijah on 75 now like no go do it early get in the get in the gym get a true nba post game and, and chet will be a, a matchup nightmare and I think that's what the Orlando match. You have to make a splash. Like Smith, yeah, but Smith is inconsistent. Uh, you know, you look at him, he played well against teams that were good, but then all of a sudden you see a 6'8 guy guard him and he shuts down, you know, he just plays down to his competition. You don't want a guy like that. You want a guy like Chet that every night is going to give you his best, and he has his boy there. So, but that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That was Jason Zucker, our guest. Please go back and download, watch that. Please comment, subscribe on YouTube, and please continue to subscribe and share wherever you get your podcasts. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. I'm Ron Johnson. This is the Locked On Sports Network, and have a great day.